This show is a part of the Versus the Universe Network. For more information on Versus the Universe, go to versustheuniverse.com. That's vstheuniverse.com. Are you listening in your car while you're driving somewhere? That's cool. Lower the windows. Tell everyone what you're listening to. Are you on the train, on the bus? Do the same thing. Tell everybody what podcast you're listening to. Why, hello, Elizabeth. Are you ready to answer my riddle six? Six? I have six riddles no for you. No one ever you. has six riddles. It's like riddles three, but it's double the trouble. All right. No, I really want to do this. No, I'm, I'm yeah, let's right. do it. Are you ready for my riddle six? I, I'm as ready as I'm going to get. All right, I got I to gotta load up the sound cue, and here we go. Liz Brodzinski, are you ready for the game called Is That a DC Comics Character or a Lord of the Rings Thing? Uh, (laughs) yes. You look so excited about this. It was a slow day at work. Yeah, no, good. No, but but there's not really riddles. I'm basically going to tell you the name of a character or like a prominent thing from these two properties and you have to tell me if it is a DC Comics thing or a Lord of the Rings Tolkien thing. So those are my only two options. Yeah, I'm not not going to punk you and put something from like Valiant Comics or anything in there. I didn't know Valiant Comics was a thing. Well, they're no longer I'll a thing, but that's a you. different episode. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm Let's do this. All right, all right. Number 1. Cal L. DC. DC. Superman. Superman. All right, cool. That was a that's a warm up. That's a warm up. All right. All right. Number two. Number two. Barador. Can can you use that in a sentence? I saw them walking towards Barador. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yay. It's one of the dark fortresses. Yay. Yay. Two for two. Two for two. Okay. Number three. Number three. Number three. Anduin. Are you saying this in like a weird accent to make it hard? No, but it's kind of hard to say it without without saying it as if you were talking about them. Anduin. May I have the origin of the word, please? If I gave you the origin, it would give away where it was from. What part of speech is it? Uh, it is it is a proper place. That would be a proper noun. A proper noun. <laughs> yes. Person, place, or thing, babe. Uh, it's a thing. Uh. I'm just going to guess Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings! Yes! It is the great river of Wilderland, the longest river in the Third Age. Wow. I knew that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Third Age is when Lord of the Rings take place, and the Amazon series is going to be in the Second Age, so yay. Um, But anyway, anyway, you're three for three. How you feeling? How you feeling? How you feeling? Feeling pretty good. All right, Michael Bublé. Let's do this. Number four. Number four. Abin Sur. Oh, that sounds so familiar. DC. DC! That is one of the Green Lanterns. It's yeah. specifically the Green Lantern that dies before handing over the ring to Hal Jordan. So hooray. We're doing Oh, that. I see a ring connection here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. All right. Number five. Number five. Okay. Uh, and these are not for the faint of heart. These. Right. This is like the advanced bonus round. I've, I'm ready. All right. I feel, I feel good. Talky Tony. Did you say Talky Tony? <laughs> Talky Tony. Can, can you spell that? <laughs> you know how it, how it sounds. T-A-W-K-Y space T-A-W-N-Y. Talkie Tawny. Talkie Tawny. 
Is this like something from the Silmarillion? Uh, I cannot. I can tell you it is a proper noun. Because I know I re- am reminded of what that is now. I'm guessing Lord of the Rings. It is DC, babe. Damn it. It is. Can I tell you what it is in DC? You're going to love it. Of course you can tell me what it is. Takitani is a beloved member of the Shazam family. Takitani is a tiger who magically has the ability to speak. What? How come Talking Tawny wasn't in the movie? I know, right? It's a total... That's bullshit. Yeah. Well, hey, there's more. There's more. All right. Last one. Last one. Last one. For okay. all Man, of the marbles. I almost got them all right. Almost. Hey, last one. For all the marbles. Isildur. Isildur? Isildur. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings! The High King of Gondor! He cut off the Ring of Power from Sauron. And yeah. he did it! Five out of six! Everyone, she wins the opening BS game of DC character or opening Lord of the Rings BS. thing. Congratulations. Thank you. What a privilege. Well, Liz, should we get into it? Let's clink. All right. Oh, no. <laughs> We're both drinking water like lamos <laughs> out of a glass. Here, let's just high five. All right. Let's. Oh, that's a bad high five. The table's too long. The table is quite long. All right, let's just get into it. Okay. Welcome to the Cooperatives Podcast with the real-life human couple, Liz and Aaron. Hello! Where we will discuss the joys and sorrows of cooperative gaming with a significant other. Or others. Or any kind of others. We're we're open. We're talking about friends, family, lovers. Today, <laughs> sorry, we're talking. Said that. Oh that no, I'm weird, just gonna, right? I'm just going to talk right You're by. Just going to go. It. Okay, just, I'm just going right. to. Today we're talking <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle Earth. A board game of adventure and exploration for one to five players. But no more, no less. Correct. You can't one have zero players. Six players, Not get zero out. or six. Seven players, what's wrong with you? But one to five, that's the sweet spot. Sweet. Sweet spot. I'm in a weird mood this episode. Let's just do it. All right, let's, let's just, do it. Liz, what is we your relationship it. with uh, the Lord of the Rings Tolkienverse? Man, I feel like it's a, it's sort of an inescapable part of life. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> That's my no. relationship. It seems like the past 15 years it's been yeah. everywhere. Um, I I think it's fine, which I feel like is a really unpopular viewpoint. Um, and yeah, I mean, I read The Hobbit when I was younger and I read the Lord of the Rings books once a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe I only read the first one. Um, but my mom loved them when I was growing up and she read the Silmarillion and she would always talk about how great it was and she listened to the audiobook kind of constantly. So it's, it's always been sort of in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been and in your then, orbit, just kind of like right, following and fluttering. Right. And when, when the movies came out, I definitely went to see them and I was excited, but I'm not like a person who has watched all of the extended editions of the DVDs, which again, feels weird. Like my little sister, no loves it and knows all of it and we're i just somehow like didn't connect with me the way that um a lot of other kind of traditionally nerdy geeky things have i feel the need to say that's fine i wasn't asking for permission (laughs) i'm just like there's there's so many things like i you know we didn't really get into game of thrones until like two months ago and now that the show's over it's like all right well don't ever have to think about that again yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones was kind of different. Um, I had like a lot of issues with 
the storytelling in Game of Thrones. Um, and so to the extent we got into it, I kind of just like really wanted to know what happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Lord of the Rings can be a little similar. I think maybe... A little similar. Try again. Try again. Silmarillion. Silmarillion. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I don't know why it was never my favorite, but I remember seeing Pat Rothfuss speak at a panel a few years ago now, um, the author of Name of the Wind, Mm -hmm. which is like a sort of similarly crunchy um fantasy it's not exactly the same but it's like kind of in the same vein like like you said and i remember him talking about getting into writing fantasy and growing up loving fantasy and basically at one point getting feedback on an early story that he wrote uh where he was like you know the person who was critiquing critiquing what i wrote said there's no women in this and I was like, uh, yeah, there are. There totally are. And then until he was reading through it, he didn't really realize that he had basically neglected to put any like regular speaking female characters in this book. Hey, that sounds familiar. Exactly. So The Hobbit has no speaking characters who are female mm-hmm. um, except for no no humanoid ones, I guess. And there are like a disproportionate amount of people in just the story of The Hobbit. There's a well, lot exactly of Exactly, right. There are tons of characters. And and so I don't know if that's part of why it wasn't for me, but I did love, you know, the Dragon Riders of Pern and I loved Anne McCaffrey's stuff growing up. Miss and, of Avalon. Yeah, so I think maybe that was part of it. But so that's a very long-winded answer which maybe I do feel like I have to justify a little bit because it's so popular among my peers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like Lord of the Rings is just okay. I feel like I am I am a big fan of Lord of the Rings. I grew up reading... I actually didn't read The Hobbit until college, but I had read Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King quite a few times in, in my upbringing. Um, but looking back... It's it is very uh, uh, it, it a lot of the things that happen in the Lord of the Rings movies and books don't line up with my views currently. Right, uh, it's somebody else's fantasy. Yeah, right. And and I the 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 lack of feminine presence in the Lord of the Rings and specifically The Hobbit like sticks out like a sore thumb to me now. But in high school, I was, I was blind. I did not see that sort of thing. Um, but I fell in love with just I think the majesty of Middle Earth I think Middle Earth itself was such a gorgeous environment to me and I love the history of the elves and the way that the dwarves and the elves were were kind of like at social war with each other and really when Dragon Age came along I said oh this is my idealized Lord of the Rings. It's and I love Dragon Age. Yeah, yeah. And well, I love dragons and magic and mm-hmm. wizards and I don't know, man. Uh, that being said, I am a sucker for a lot of Lord of the Rings paraphernalia. I mean, I think you love Lord of the Rings. I, I, that's something I think is charming about you. <laughs> I just i i i always have to kind of like check myself before we do a show, uh, an episode of the show that's based on a property. Because right. I don't ever want my fandom to like overthrow an actual interest in the game. But this game I think is very interesting because it's very similar to a game that we covered early on in the show, Mansions of Madness. Right. And what's actually funny is I remember, I'm 99% sure that in that episode, 
we talked about um, how I, w- I loved, especially, I think we both did, the system of it. Mm-hmm. Like the way that there's an app that kind of acts as a game master and directs things and kind of keeps all of the information um, recorded. And I remember talking about, oh, it would be really cool to have this same system in a different environment mm-hmm. because when you're the that it mansion of madness if you didn't listen to that episode it's an arkham asylum arkham asylum <laughs> i would play that it's game an, in a heartbeat right it's an arkham horror you are getting lord of the rings in dc mixed up now oh, no. <laughs> um it's an it's an arkham horror uh lovecraft type yeah, game and yeah. you know something that always happens in those is that everyone goes crazy and dies pretty much always and you're like 99 percent of the time gonna lose and that's kind of just the way that's that lovecraft those baby. are yeah. yeah and so i remember thinking i would love to see this but with a different like telling a different story mm-hmm. but this same kind of thing where an app is acting as the gm and sort of building the map in front of you and and it's it's like interactive and you can truly be cooperative and nobody has to be like running everything. That is, that's something that I think we took for granted with Mansions and with Lord of the Rings. I, you know, kind of, kind of like uh, inside baseball about this show. It takes time to like pick out the game, learn the game, play the game. And then if we didn't have like an amazing experience the first time, maybe we'll play it again. And that takes a lot of time just in energy from us to like evaluate and really critically think about it. But the thing about these games that have apps that guide you along the way is it really makes so much of this simpler. It's yeah, nice. It really cuts down on the prep time. And so what's funny kind of is I was really excited to have this system be introduced in a different subject matter. And <laughs> lo and behold, it's Lord of the Rings. And I'm so torn about it because, you know, I was like, oh, I think Lord of the Rings is fine. But it makes it exciting for me that you're excited. Um, <laughs> and and it, it would be nice if like they maybe took a game like this and made an app for it. But they did that with Star Wars Imperial Assault, something that you like, but it's not something that really is a propellant for you, you know? Right. So that's yeah, like three I guess for maybe, three. I know. I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really doing well here. If they made something like this for Harry Potter, maybe I'd like it. Or, you know... Maybe it would even just be great to have a completely new property. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I will say with what we've played of the Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-Earth so far, which we are going to get actually into. <laughs> we are going to talk about. Um, it doesn't, it's not like just a retelling of uh, the Lord of the Rings story or The Hobbit. It's just something that is taking place in Middle-Earth. Yeah. And that that is really rad. The app actually comes with different campaigns. The campaign that's included with the game is called Bones of Armor, which let's just say that's a cool ass name. That is a very cool name. Bones of Armor is a really rad metal band. It reminds name. me of, um, isn't that also like a Super Mario bad guy? Oh, I think you're a Super Mario bad guy? Some bonies, some bony <laughs> bonies? dinosaur that, man. That's a Tim Robinson thing. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but so that campaign comes with. Uh, about six missions that escalate in difficulty and it tells its own little self-contained story. Like Liz said, you're not Frodo and Sam and the rest of the fellowship going to Mount Doom. But you are some characters. What are the characters that are in this game? So in this game, you can play as Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, and Frodo. The 
the like those four people are all from Lord of the Rings. Those people are all from Lord of the Rings. Um, why don't you tell them uh, about the other two characters that are? In well, the I was asking you because I can't remember their names. So, they <laughs> but they did add two ladies into the game as well, and it's I can remember like one. They, it's almost like they said, "Hey, wait." There's no ladies in this universe. I think that's what happened. Um, no, I remember one of them because I played Elena, who is... So... Um, I'm a little upset that you played Elena twice. I said I would play someone I else. know. Whatever. So Elena is basically an elf bard. Yeah. Um, and bard is not usually my style, but she's closest... She's like the closest anyone comes to being a wizard, I think. <laughs> Um, which, you know, is like always my, that's what I'm always going towards in my life. Oh my God. Anything that I can do to be magical. Um, and yeah, so she like has a harp and, mm-hmm. you know, and rocks the, it. the other character is basically like a horse joust girl. Her name is Berivore. Are you saying horse joust girl? Cause that was trending on Twitter today. Yeah. And like, Jiminy Cricket. look at it. They exist they demand to be taken seriously. I think um, one other way that is a little less patronizing to describe a horse joust girl would just be to say a knight. A knight, yeah. But also, she's not a knight because she does not belong to the Guard of Gondor. Oh, see, now we're getting back oh, into that boy. inside baseball. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so what so is this sorry. other chick's name? Berivor. 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 Got it. Oh, yeah, I remember now. Yeah. She got she got that mi- that uh Middle Earth name. Yeah, because I think uh one of the people we were playing with picked up the character card and said Beraver. And I'm like, that's a cool name, but it's Beravor. It's Beravor. Beravor. Um, but yeah, they added two uh uh feminine characters. Nice. That's the least you could do. So thank God you did that. Right. Ugh. Um so basically this is kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons game a little bit. Yeah, it's like everything is set up for you. You have a character card that has some it tells you kind of what your health scores are and gives you a little like bonus kind of starting thing. And it is very close to being just D&D. Yeah, I mean yeah. I think that's kind of the point. Plus, you know, the Lord of the Rings thing, but you have items that you carry um, basically, everything is handled on cards instead of like in D&D, you mm-hmm. have to write things down and keep a character sheet. Um, so you have items that presumably like as you get farther in the campaign will change out. And then um, one thing that is very interesting. So so to back up a little, you are these characters, the game, basically the app gives you a goal and the goal might be you have to explore and you know, you see some people like that look like thieves over in a thicket. Go figure out what they're up to. And then if you get there, you figure out that they're thieves, it'll update and say like, okay, now you have to figure out where they came from. Um, and so that's kind of how the, the game progresses is it gives you these like little mini goals. We don't really, I don't remember at the beginning knowing kind of like what is our overall campaign goal. Every campaign mission uh, has an intro with some flavor text that basically says, here's the vague general gist of why you're here. And here's your first objective. And like Liz said, your objective at first is going to be kind of unassuming and it just escalates from there. Right. Uh, but on the app, it uh, it basically gives you a, an overlay of what your objective is. There's a threat tracker where if um, on every turn, if you accumulate more threat and it overtakes the threat, uh, uh, goal, bad things are going to happen, essentially. Right. 
And um, what it does is it actually gives you a layout of the map. And the map to me is one of the most interesting and maybe biggest selling points for me in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. There, there are a few... I, I like the game. I'm excited to play farther and see what else happens. But I have some quibbles with it. And interestingly for me, the map is one of them. It goes both ways. It's a modular board, which you know we love here at the cooperatives. But it's not modular like it would be in uh, uh, Mansions of Madness, where it was just squares and rectangles with like rooms and hallways. Because this is the Lord of the Rings and you're dealing with forests and and like cities and ruins and and fortresses all of the grids are different sized hex based uh pieces of chunks land. of land yeah, yeah. And, so and no it might one be like, looks the other right it might be like four hexes or there one there might be one that is the size of like 12 hexes i mean some they vary in size and it's very cool yeah it is very cool um the app shows you kind of where they fit together as it tells you to add more pieces of land in and it can be a little confusing Mm -hmm. what um because i think sometimes the app also kind of changes the angle at different points in the game which makes it challenging and in a few instances the art of the hex based grids you're putting together are different than what it is on the app it's very very slight but when you're trying to line up very specific locations in this one line, it slants in a in a weird way that it doesn't show you on the map. It's it's just not great. Right. So I kind of wish. So basically, the the image of what the map looks like on the app is kind of floating in space, and I really wish that they had put it on a grid so you could kind of keep the lines together. Um, but that's like a relatively. I th- I think as long as you know to pay close attention. It won't bite you. That actually hurt us in our first game that we played with two other yeah. people. We realized towards the end that we had like placed a couple things, like one or two Wildly spots different. off. And so by the end, it was like spiraling off into the wrong direction. But one of the things that I kind of like about this game, when you assemble the map correctly, is that you get a very interesting looking environment. And that's mm-hmm. just like Mansions of Madness. It's always going to be a mansion of madness. But oh, your like, bias wh- is showing. Whatever. Oh, come on. Lord yeah. of the Rings, you get in to Mansions be in, like... of Madness, it's like a crazy dark alley or like a sea area I mean, or inside building. But, but it's always going to be we a thought hallway. It really cool. It's always going to be a hallway and then a room. With this, you, it's you always get... going to be outside and then some ruins. I cannot believe you right now. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that you're biased. You could, you could... You're biased critique. What if you got the better door? I, I forgot fortress. what that is it's already. It's a dark fortress. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> you know what we should do? We should put Mansions of Madness and Journeys of Middle-Earth together well, and see if it works. So here is something else that I did want to talk about. And this can be like the part where I'm pooping on the game a little bit. But I promise <laughs> I'll step back from that. So um, we talked about how this is, this is almost just a skin on Mansions of Madness. A little. They, so they basically... So... so like I said, what I don't always love in Mansions of Madness is because it's in a Cthulhu Arkham Horror game, you're always getting, so like you have fear and what, or you have like uh, health and craziness. Sanity. Insanity. Yeah. And um, the game is kind of just always hurting you <laughs> in, in Mansions of Madness. And then you have this like 
threat level thing that's going up to like track when all the bad monsters come and get you and Cthulhu eat your brain or whatever. Okay. So they basically did the same thing in this Lord of the Rings game. And I don't think thematically it makes sense. Like the way that your health is tracked in this game, in the Lord of the Rings game, is health, you get you could take damage or fear. That's not what I typically associate with Lord of the Rings. And I feel like they just needed to make it fit the Existing. damage and sanity. Right. On, on one hand, I agree with you. I think it's because I don't agree with the word fear. I think that there is an anxiety about the impending approach of Sauron, but I don't know that I would say that people are stricken with fear enough to like leave battle. It's 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 yeah. it's almost like a gloom, which I think is different than a fear. Is that the whole point? Like, is everyone in Middle Earth being afflicted? Like, well, no, no, a that, ring bearer. I mean, that's kind that's of what thing. I. If you're Frodo. I totally get the fear, but not if you're Aragorn, not if you're Legolas. Like they, they did not have fear. They put everything on the line to try to save Middle Earth. Now, now I'm getting into personal biases, right. but like, well, but, and, I agree with you. And I didn't you. feel like the the fear damage dichotomy really ever came into play. No, it almost would they're make, interchangeable. It would make way more sense for me for them to just give everyone a higher fear counter yeah, or a higher, or a higher damage, damage counter. And then they can, you know, it does the same thing that they do in like many um, Cthulhu games where there's, if you have the damage face down, it doesn't have any kind of extra bad side effects. But if it's face up, there's something on on the other side that lingers. It just, it felt a little bit too much like one of those games to where I was like, man, if you just designed this from scratch, you wouldn't have had this part of it. No. You know? Uh, although I... I do think that the way that they are able to use what is in the game with the Lord of the Rings license works pretty well. There's a few nitpicky things that, like, as a fan, I'd be like, that that doesn't make sense. But whatever. I, I think as that... As far as a representation of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like, Aragorn's wisdom is a four, and I think that's BS. But that's besides the point. His strength should be higher. What I'm saying is... <laughs> um, it's it's got a really interesting item system in my opinion. Um, it was different in Mansions of Madness, and we're just going to keep comparing it to Mansions of Madness, I guess. Well, the game begs the comparison, though. Yeah, you're you're totally right. In Mansions of Madness, you just accumulated items and and like tokens that you were using to dispel horror in the Lovecraftian times. In this, uh, you obviously have like armor, weapons. You pick up boons along the way, and I was having a lot of fun trying to figure out what weapon to use for different encounters. Um, it really made a difference if I used a broadsword versus um, when I was playing Legolas versus a, a ranged attack with a bow and arrow. Um, and I was taking advantage of uh, some of the items that I had at my disposal. We didn't really do this the first time. The first game we played, I think we were playing the cards a little close to the vest. But the second time we played, we were using our inspiration tokens. We were really using everything that that was given to us. And I think the game, more so than Mansions of Badness, wants you to use this stuff because it recycles through your deck a lot more. Right. It so, has a lot of elements of a deck builder. And I don't... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't remember this being a big part of Mansions of Madness, but it might have been. But that's irrelevant. So what one thing that you do, like there's just like... Cthulhu games there are phases and so there's the kind of heroes have their 
um, action phase, mm-hmm. and then there's a shadow phase, which is when the bad guys act, and then there's a rally phase for the heroes before they act again. And in the rally phase, they can scout, and it's the way that the game gets you to use the items and not items they're sort of item adjacent things and spells and mm-hmm. um talents that each character has it is kind of odd that there isn't anything even akin to a gandalf in this game it is well, like we, we only okay so so it comes with the game comes with an entire campaign yeah and we have just played the first phase of the campaign a couple times so it's possible that Gandalf becomes a character later. You know, sure. we don't know. And there already are expansions being developed right. for this game in the future. So, hey, or I should future. say, I guess I have no idea if Gandalf is supposed to be alive during this time. But mm. yeah, I'm looking at Aragorn. He has black hair, so definitely. Oh right, Aragorn. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, it's sort of an odd. I don't know when this is supposed to take place. I guess. I think it's just supposed to be in the Third Age, but it doesn't make sense because why would Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas and Frodo be together? It's just like a guide. Throw it all out. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. So, so this the way that the scouting happens is you have this deck of cards that you're collecting for your character, and it is a little bit like a deck builder. I think it'll be more like that as we advance in the story. Absolutely. Um, Because for now, it's like you just have your sort of fifteen cards that you have, and you cycle through them. Um, But the way the whole game. The clever way that the game fits together and what makes it kind of fun to play is um, the scouting thing is you you take out two of your cards and you can pick one to kind of keep and have it be readied for your next action. Mm-hmm. And then the other one you can put at the top or bottom of your deck. The reason it matters whether it's at the top or bottom of your deck is that similar to Dungeons and Dragons, anytime you're going to do something, you have to te- you have to pass a test. Mm-hmm. In Dungeons and Dragons, you roll a d20 or a d8 or whatever, depending on what you're doing. And in this game, you test your um, attributes. So everybody has what wit, wisdom, agility, strength, strength or might, might and something yeah. else. And whatever your strength is or your wit or whatever that determines the number of cards that you draw for a test so in a lot of other games it would determine the number of dice that you roll in this game it determines the number of cards that you can draw from your pile and there are symbols on the cards that let you know if it's a success or not and that's another way that you cycle through this deck deck. Mm -hmm. and that's why the rally phase matters because you you um shuffle everything back into it so it's sort of an intricate you know, kudos to whoever kind of first did this. I know it's in other games too, but the way that it all fits together is really nice and it's like satisfying. There is a good bit of strategy where when you do that scouting phase, I could get something that is a guaranteed hit and I might not want to put that in my deck because I might need that guaranteed hit on top of my pile for whatever impending disaster is about to happen. And it came up a few times where I like that little bit of simple strategy there yeah you it wasn't too trying layered. to decide okay would i rather know i have a guaranteed success um and then there's also ways to there's sort of in between cards that you can convert to a success by spending inspiration tokens and it actually isn't that complicated as you're playing it no but reading it off the page it sounds like a lot of work and that's really why with a game like that, like with the app helps so much because it t- it cuts out, you know, I would say 
40 to 60% of the extra brain power that you have to use in games like this, where you spend a lot of time being like, okay, what comes next? Okay, when do we place something? Where do these things go? It, it says, put this tile here, put this kind of marker on top of it. And it like makes you, and it walks you through fighting. Mm -hmm. You like select the bad guy on the app and then it tells you how many hit points they have. Um, and there's little minis for the bad guys. I don't think we mentioned. So we have little minis for our characters. Yeah. And all the minis are pretty nice except for Aragorn who looks really bad. He looks fine. He, lo he looks like they, the Witcher. He doesn't look like I think they like didn't really get, they didn't get um, likeness rights for any of the actors in the movies, which is fine. But so everyone looks a little different. But Legolas looks exactly how I pictured him in the books. Oh, really? Yeah, I love Interesting. it. Interesting. I love it. Yeah. You talked uh, about how the app kind of lets uh, us free up some of that brain space. Did we use that brain space to play cooperatively in this game? Because that's what this is billed as. And I know in Mansions, you know, it was kind of off and on. So yeah. how, how do you feel about this? I think it can be off and on, but in a good way. So um, if any character gets to their fear or damage limit, then they have this fun thing called a last stand where they I like, really like this. Yeah. Um, it, again, is handled through the app, but basically you get like one more chance to do a test. And if you pass the test, then you can pass your last stand and stay alive. And the test, in our experience, hasn't ever been too difficult. It's kind of like an easy check in a way. Um, yes and no. It just totally depends. It depends on your luck and where your deck is. I mean, I think we we did two or three of them over the course of the two games, and I think it only worked once. Two out of three. Oh, did someone else yeah. have a yeah, last I, game? Yeah, I, I did it in the last ah, game. Ah, I but didn't it was, notice. It was like test wisdom, and if you get one, you succeed, and I got four wisdom right. cards to draw. So one thing that there's things like lore that the team is collecting that the game just kind of keeps track of, and we don't really know, and I think... If we had more lore, it made the tests a little bit easier. But there was because we're not tracking it. But I don't think we really had a good feel for like when that was happening. It's not in the HUD on the app. You have to dig into a menu to find out how much lore you have. But even then, it's, and then like what it's doing. Though, it's not explicit the, yeah, in what exactly. that performs for you. So basically, I brought up the last stand because if you fail the last stand, you die. Mm -hmm. And if one person dies, the entire campaign is done. You you basically get, like many games, you get to like finish out that round. Um, and so in that sense, everybody needs to work together. Like you want, you know, a lot of people have skills that can benefit um, people being near them. And so that's the game, I think, encouraging you to kind of stay together on the board. That first game we went our separate ways. The fellowship mm -hmm. disbanded immediately. Yeah. And I mean, it's doable that way. Um, and you can still strategize out loud, you mm -hmm. know, without working together. There's the orcs aren't going to hear you in right. the app. And also, you can almost never actually work together at as far as the characters. There's not like something that you can do together um, very frequently. I think maybe every now and then you can kind of assist somebody with uh, with a test, but that might even happen more later in the game. So yeah. you're not actively working together like on a turn-by-turn -turn basis. I would like to... So so first off, I agree with you. We did play cooperatively, and there are cooperative elements to it. 
I don't know that the game encourages you to think cooperatively too often. I would have really liked for there to be more abilities, like for Legolas and Gimli to team up. And like, it's it's such a big part of their story that they learn to trust each other and work together. And then they synergize and they're so much better together. See, I, would, I wonder if that's like a leveled up kind of thing, if that happens later. I, I hope so. I mean, we've only played that first mission a handful of times. But looking through the item cards and the abilities, it doesn't look like that'll be a big thing. One thing that uh, that I would like to experiment with in future games is the roles. So Aragorn in this game is always give. Well, the first time you play, he's given the uh, title of captain. But if I wanted to play Aragorn as a musician or if I wanted to play him as a pathfinder, there are all these different cards that help buff out your deck with these given roles. Oh, I would love to switch that. It'd be, well, in like mixing and matching those and figuring out which roles synergize together. I think there's a good bit of strategy and, and cooperation that could be intended there. We just haven't maybe found it yet. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's cooperative, again, sort of thematically appropriately in the way that a band of whatever heroes would mm-hmm. be, right? Like every person is still sort of motivated by their own thing. It's better for everyone if they work together a little bit to survive. So that's what I meant. You know, it's not helpful if you try and like trap your your uh, teammates by getting oh, sure. everybody to go to them. Yeah, And a lot of decisions that are made sort of on the meta level are cooperative. Like if a bad guy is equidistant from two people, you can decide which direction they go. That's a really interesting thing to bring up because I I think when I think about playing cooperative, uh, when I think about playing cooperatively, I think about the communication of the players at the table. Mm -hmm. But if the app is kind of giving you either a shorthand or an easy way to look at things, you might not need that communication. So maybe it facilitates, like you said, that more meta collaboration right. at the table yeah that's a really interesting thing to about, think about kind of the rules mm-hmm. and less about specific things that you're doing totally um but yeah i mean it definitely as far as like cooperative purity goes um you can play it with one person so you can play it with one person so that's a knock from the cooperative perspective yeah. um and that kind of makes sense any game where one person dying kind of ruins it for everyone um there's gonna be an element there where one person could really like go off the rails and just kind of screw over everyone else mm-hmm. hopefully no one will do that and that's that's a little bit the way D is too like it's it's a cooperative storytelling adventure um but i think everyone has played who has played a tabletop game has played with somebody who wasn't like just trying to be a member of the team right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um and so it's not different from any of those games in that sense I, I really struggle to think about where they go with expansions and stuff because there's a lot of characters that you could throw in here, but are they eventually going to dovetail and do that Ring of Power storyline or do they go off and do some of the stories from the appendices? Like It yeah, seems I mean, like I there's a lot of room to grow. There's tons and tons of things they could do. It just depends, you know probably on how many people will buy it yeah um but i hope they keep creating characters because as much as i love lord of the rings i want to be in that universe i don't necessarily want to be one of the characters i yeah i actually think the new characters are the most compelling i mean playing as gimli or something that's (sighs) fine i guess but that's not really the point of a game like this (laughs) 
Sorry. Exact and Matt. Sorry. Um uh well you have the Gimli attitude, so I feel like you're on the way. How oh dare snap. you. I saw the movies. That was rude. So yeah, I I think it would be great if they made other characters to the point where you could have a story without any kind of famous Lord of the Rings characters in it. Um, then it would feel even more like Dungeons and Dragons probably. But I think that would be more fun and would sort of let you like fit kind of sink into what the universe of the game is instead of, yeah, the movies. Did you have a good time playing this game? I did. I had fun. Um, I'm was, very curious to see what happens next. I was surprised when you said that you would want to play it more after the show. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a little hesitant about some of the things that I feel like are a little too close to the Cthulhu mm-hmm. mythos type thing. And um, part of that is this, like, the game can be very harsh in the way that it, like, dealt, it does a lot of damage to mm-hmm. people. and. There's not really many ways to heal yourself from most of the wounds that you take. And I think that doesn't make sense in the theme. It doesn't, you know, most of this feels like, uh, like a D&D type campaign to me, but that is really different because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of D&D type campaigns are very flexible and the point is to make sure that you can keep playing. And this, having that sort of draconian punishment for if you get attacked isn't, fun i don't want to like redo every mission several times until we live through it so it might be that to really enjoy it we'll have to house rule some stuff just to kind of see what the story is i i i tend to agree with you and i brought this up during our second playthrough is that this and uh to an extent imperial assault and mansions of madness all kind of have the same just too difficult thing for me where uh mansions of madness and lord of the rings and imperial assault all give you objectives that they want you to accomplish and it feels like the people that made the game thought that everything was laid out very specifically and thoroughly easy to figure out but when you're in the moment and there's five search tokens on the screen and you only have three characters I don't know that you're going to say, well, we need to get all of these things, but the, it always feels like the developers want you to do a very specific thing that you may not into it very easily. Right. And so, like you said, it, it does feel like you're being punished a little too thoroughly. I wish that there was a way for, um, for, for the app to take in how much health you had so it could maybe push and pull that's with the a, difficulty. Yeah, that's like kind of, that's a great idea because I feel like that would be one of the benefits to having an app is being able to track that health and that's track everything. I, actually a really great point. Cause that's what a, like a GM does too. They can see if the players are like not having a good time or dying. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, just a, just a little side conversation. I used to play Imperial assault with a, with a group of my friends. We call them the star boys because we play star Wars board games and we're super great friends. We love Imperial Assault. <laughs> super friends. Yeah, basically. And it, it got to a point with Imperial Assault where we I don't think we won a single game. And the element of loss just like kept battering on us. And th- the person who was playing the Empire shouldn't have felt bad because they were playing the game the way that it was meant to be played. They were assigning their troops here and stopping us from getting objectives. But everything just felt a bit too stringent. Mm -hmm. And 
with this game and you know, I'm preparing an episode on solo games and not one thing I'm noticing is that these types of games with apps and a lot of solo games seek to mimic the human experience or even mimic like a video game experience. And without having the player feedback constantly or without having that emotion at the table, it's really hard to gauge that. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think that's really the turning point. And the app does have two difficulty modes. And I think only two is the downfall here. There's normal, which we played on and which we've always played on, and difficult. So I can't imagine what a harder version of this game is like. Right, especially because I, I feel like we should clarify... When you say things like harder and more difficult, it's not like, oh, it becomes more technically challenging. It just becomes like because so much of this is really based on luck. It just becomes more punishing. Yeah, it's it's really like instead of needing a two, you might have to have a four and you might only be able to draw three cards. Yeah. So the odds are just monumentally stacked against you. So I really admire what they're trying to do with the app. It's not quite there. But I do think that this is a game that I would house rule sooner rather than later just yeah. because of that. I like, especially with a licensed game, people don't want to play Lord of the Rings and then see this character that they treasured for years brutally die at like an orc scout. Right. If they died from like Sauron or like, or like one of the, one of the Knight Riders, like sure. Yeah. But yeah, just like. You need a human element there. Yeah, and I can already think of a couple of ways that we could house rule it to make it more fun. And I think that uh, I feel like we've talked about house rules on this show Man, before. I feel like it's a dirty there, word, though. I know. I, I don't. Think, I don't like house rules. People think that um, you're somehow breaking the game in a way that's not fair. But first of all, not fair to who? Right? Like the the person that wrote the game is not sitting there with you most of the time. So most of the time, it doesn't matter. We have played games with the creator. But before. but even if you have, I mean, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I I think the point of playing games is to enjoy yourself. Or I guess if you're like a masochist, you might have a different point. But generally, the reason they're there is for entertainment. Do what you need to do to make them entertaining. Now. I think it's really important that everybody agrees and it can't be like house rules that are just to like screw over certain people or whatever. But for something like this, especially if it's cooperative, house rules that make the game more likely to to go the way of the players without making it, you know, like ridiculously easy. And I will say, I think you should only institute a house rule after you play a game multiple times. Oh, yeah. And have the same repeated scenario come up like and in, in a game like this, where it is so crunchy and there are so many rules, I think that's a little bit easier to do. But if you're playing a game with only four rules, like those rules probably exist for a reason. Don't touch that's them. That's true. You know? Right. Right. But um, yeah, normally I do not like house ruling at all. Although in the rule book for the new RPG I'm writing, I specifically wrote, you know what? If you don't like a rule, change it. I'm not going to know. Exactly. So who knows? That's the point. And I... I wouldn't say that I don't like house rules as a rule. Um, oh. Uh, but I, I mean, I think a lot of games are really well thought out and they're play tested. And, you know, I've seen you go through this and I, we know people that make games and it's, it's really challenging to get the balance right. So It requires dozens upon dozens of hours of work. Exactly. So I think 
it's definitely good to err on the side of staying with the rules. But that being said, maybe whoever made Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth thought that it was, like, interesting to die more often. We also just don't have time in our lives <laughs> to play each mission five times yeah. or even twice. So it might be that it works better for us to say, like, hey, whenever you heal, you can heal face up and face down damage. You know what I mean? The app's not going to know. It's yeah. not the Terminator. It's not going to um, Skynet you. So if, if, if this is something that you end up playing, if you're interested in the idea of tweaks like this i think board game geek has Mm -hmm. a great community when it comes to things like that um there's gonna be people who think it's anathema to change anything obviously it's online but um that's also where you'll you'll find people saying like here's what we did in this situation and we found that it was more fun or even just like clarifying rules a lot of creators respond to forum threads on board game geek if they find that there's something they don't feel like it's explained well in their rules and they want people to understand i i think about this semi-often because as an artist like i've grown up creating art making art displaying art blah 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 i i feel like once you put a piece of art into the world and i do believe games are art i believe once you put a piece of art into the world you don't own a hundred percent of it like copyright ip lawyer yes you may own 100% of the product, but... Actually, though, we don't do moral rights in the United <laughs> States, which is kind of what you're talking about. But but I'm saying if somebody takes your piece of art and interprets it differently, like I, I think about movies, like there could be a director who puts out a movie and says, this is about the plight of of a worker and like this bee is supposed to show what it's like being like, a worker bee in this hive and, and we're all subject to blah, blah, blah. But if somebody is else... This, is this a dream you have? <laughs> this is Code Monkey, the musical I wrote 10 years ago. But if somebody like watches your thing and says, oh, this is clearly about the human condition and how we're mean to each other and how we relate to each other during times of, of harsh criticism and blah, blah, blah. Like you don't get to tell the person they're wrong. With games, it's a little bit more difficult because you clearly put rules in place but I think at the end of the day, you're right. Like, make it fun, make it accessible. Unless the driving intent is to die, kind of like Dark Souls. Like in right. Dark Souls, you are meant to die. You, it's meant to be punishing. A game like this isn't meant to. Yeah, and also, like I said, thematically, I think it made a little bit more sense in Mansions, Mansions of, Madness. of Madness because that's just the way that those games always are on mm-hmm. purpose. I don't play a Lord of the Rings game expecting to die, right? Like, I, I just don't think that it's exactly the same. But you would play a Game of Thrones game fully expecting that you could die maybe at any time. Right, but I also think most games, and again, Arkham Lovecraft games are sort of the exception to this. Uh, most games where you're expected to die, there's some sort of benefit to dying mm-hmm. too, like... Uh, you were just talking about Dark Souls. Part of the cycle of dying and then starting again is how you kind Getting of level better. up in the game. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I we, we can't solve why this is. And it could be that it's just the way that we were playing and maybe other people won't even have this problem where they're dying all the time. Yeah, and I want to make it clear, I really enjoyed playing this game. I had a blast playing it. I want to play more of it. Mm-hmm. Who knows if we'll have time to play more of it. But we own this game, and I will probably buy an expansion we'll never play. You know me. 
but I really I'm enjoyed... T-Pain. <laughs> Sorry. Inside joke. Um, but I really enjoyed playing this game with you. I, I would recommend it. Would you recommend it more than Mansions of Madness? That's tricky. I think it would depend a lot like taste. on taste. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's what's interesting is they are similar enough that really the theme is the only thing that would change who I recommended it to. And, and I, I feel like I need to say we, we've had quite a few people ask us to play Imperial Assault because it can be co-op now with the app. I don't know that we have it in us to play a third game that's very similar. <laughs> is it just like this? Yeah, it's pretty pretty similar. Interesting. Like it's... It's got the same amount of change from Lord of the Rings to Mansions of Madness as you would from like a Mansions of Madness to Star Wars. Maybe in a couple years. Maybe. Maybe we can do a vintage edition. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, T-Pain. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, I think that's going to about do it for the show. You got anything else you want to say? No, I mean, I liked it. I'm excited to see what happens next. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to mention is so we played the first time with four people and then the second time with just the two of us. And I felt like um, it went a lot faster with just the two of us. We, we had also played before. So I think it actually was like pretty good with four as well. Yeah. Um, I can't tell for certain, but it seems like if we played the next stage in the campaign and wanted to bring one or two people in to play like one mission with us, that it would work? I'm not sure. Yeah. Because um, the app does have four save slots. So oh, so maybe it remembers. In okay. each save slot. So the first one had four character portraits and ours had two when we revisited it. One nice thing about the app is you can save and quit at any time. Yeah. Four save slots is actually really nice. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Super good. Uh, but I'm not sure if you can drop and drop out like that. No, probably not yeah. with the save slots. Um, I think that's going to do it. Our next episode is coming up in two weeks. Man, I can't wait because, yeah, we are going to play a cooperative game, but Sea of Solitude comes out July 5th, and I've been looking forward to that game for Man, so long. Man, there is so much stuff happening around July 4th. Yeah. Spider-Man, Stranger Things, sea Independence Day. Oh, what? It's 4th of July. What? The 5th of July. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Oh, right. All right, we're going to do this this outro now. Keep uh, your secrets. All right, all right, keep your secrets. This podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment and ours. Come back often and feel free to add the Cooperatives Podcast to your favorite podcatcher. Do it. Reviews are very welcome and they help the show succeed, so please review us. Give us five stars. You can also follow us on Twitter at CooperativesPod and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CooperativesPod. If there is a particular game you think we should play and discuss, please don't hesitate to send us an email at cooperativespod at gmail.com or leave us a message on social media. All links to the stuff we talked about are going to be in the show notes. Uh, and that's going to about do it for us. Yeah, yeah. You got anything else to say, Liz? No, I think I've said my piece. All right, then I'm going to think of uh, a good a good end quote to end this Lord of the Rings episode. Oh, we already did the Keep Your Secrets one, though. What about... They're taking the hobbits to Isengard. To Isengard. To, to Isengard. Isengard. They're taking the hobbits to, to Isengard. Isengard. To Isengard. To Isengard. For Frodo. Bye.